This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson. And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships. Good Welcome day, everybody. Welcome back. to We're Not Fine. That's the podcast us. about I'm fine. all kinds of relationships. You're not fine. I'm totally fine. You know, You're the one who's not that fine. I don't know that we <laughs> I don't know that we've ever really talked about why this name came about, but I hate the word fine because of course it's an acronym for effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. And wait a second, that, I never knew that, and I had actually you, no idea that that had anything to do with why the podcast is named we've like battled over this name. And I never knew we, that. We battled a lot at the beginning, and you wanted very different names, like messy. Yes. Abundance. <laughs> and I threw up every time, which was my indication that, that we were not on yes. the same page. But now you oh get God. that, right? I wanted, like, messy, complicated, beautiful, oh. and you were like, Whoa. Yeah, Why don't we but just then have a little I, cup of tea and talk about our feelings? Anyway, I no thanks. I hated the name We're Not Fine. I literally and hated now, it because I was like... If I have three words, three words to summarize my brand and what I stand for on this planet, it's abundance it's not, and we're not fine. I think it's but now I really appreciate shady. it. I know you do. That's the yeah, really important really part is that you've made it. a big change. You've come to the it's, bright side of reality instead of abundance. I know. Well, Ab- the way that I think about it is you can say we're not fine which i don't resonate with that is not my brand and so when i say we're not fine and people are like yeah like we're really not fine i'm like "Mm." the way that i say it is a little bit more like tongue-in-cheek sarcastic funny like we're not fine like you say we're fine we're not fine we're all lying to each other. It's kind of funny. Let's get real. All of my clients know that if they come in and they say, I'm fine, they're like, I just stare at them for a while. And they're like, okay, I know. I know I have to elaborate. I know I can't just leave it there. And I'm like, yeah, that's not acceptable. However, I think the other thing that we've discovered about ourselves, Talia, is that we're a little bit different in terms of how we approach the world. You are you are more positive and, and cheery and um, sweet, is the word I might say. And I am a little bit more like, we're not fucking fine. I might say that. So I do think that's a very nice difference between us that brings hopefully through this airwaves. Um, However, the other thing I wanted to talk about is like, you know, you and I spend, honestly, I think we've talked every day since this podcast began. (laughs) And you take pug walks in the morning and we talk. I do. And really we should be recording all of those because they are rich in information about how we think. 
And I we feel, just I went. I couldn't agree more. And we are so fucking funny. Like we laugh. We think we're so funny. hard. No, we know we're. That's real news. We're so funny. And I do sometimes think like. Wow, we're just like so funny, but when we get in front of the camera, we're like, what what are we going to talk about again? Well, and the other thing that's interesting <laughs> is so like we never know what we're going to like is going to come up. Like honestly, all this that we just talked about, we weren't expecting to talk about. We didn't we were going to talk yeah. about the name. We just start talking, right? Cuz that's how we do it and everything we do together kind of brings up some stories or associations or something. And we just went to lunch. We've been recording all day. And so, you know, we just went to lunch and we went to Whole Foods in Uptown and I walked by. We we always go for sushi, right? But I walked by the pizza area and their pizza is the best pizza. And it was the cheese pizza. And I'm like, I'm, I, I don't do well with gluten anymore. So I thought, I'm going to stay away from that. But it was cheese. And so I had to get a piece. And now I'm not, you know, I'm going to suffer for it probably during this episode. We're going to like, we're going to see you bloat and get we, really like I'm going to keep my stomach energy. lower than the window. <laughs> but it, I would never in a million years have been interested in a slice of cheese pizza from a supermarket. But I was like, okay, it can't really be that good. And then I took a bite and I was like, holy crap. This is like the best pizza I've ever had. And it remind it's so weird how memories come up. It's like these olfactory memories that just like trigger oh, sure. this time in your life. That, um, okay, funny story. This is what it reminded me of. So my grandma, who was like literally the cutest, she was like four foot ten, tiny little woman. My younger Polish. child's four ten. Yep. So she was so cute. And like seventh grade education, right? I mean, it was like a, during the Holocaust that she, she was like, I think Seventeen, when she became a seamstress and she spoke a lot of different languages because she may not have had an actual formal education, but she, you know, spoke German. I think she spoke some Arabic and Polish and Russian, all of these things. So naturally, when they moved to Israel, my grandma found herself this little shop in the middle of a town square in a city called Naharia, and. She opened up. I want. I don't know how else to describe it. It was definitely not a lingerie store because it was like for the working woman. So it was like underwear that might fit on like hippos and brassieres <laughs> that were just like absolutely enormous, heavy duty, like over the shoulder, boulder holder kind of vibe. And all of the women that were in the neighborhood would come in. Even if they did not speak the same language, like a Palestinian woman would come in, it passed all of these translation barriers. It didn't even matter. My grandma would like literally come in like this and grab her breasts, figure out her perfect size, find her the perfect bra. And hmm. it was like she was the a staple of this little community. Anyway, all of that to say... I was, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, really, you know, young for years and years. And my favorite cousin and I, Moran, who passed, we talked about about him. Yeah. But he and I would always walk around the town square. We'd hang out in her shop. And there was this guy on the street selling um, these little squares of pizza, like hometown, old school pizza. And I swear to you, Doug, it was like the same exact flavor. It brought me right back. It was so good. It's 
first of all, that's a lovely, lovely like scene or like image to think about this. Yeah. And I have all of these like thoughts of like what your grandmother was doing with those brassiers and undergarments, etc. It's a very kind of romanticized movie movie version of of childhood. I love it, right? Yeah, like a little square was. or villa. Um, and Nostalgia. I am so glad that I got that pizza. I remember I I gave you the first bite and I put it in your mouth, and you were like. Holy shit. Oh like, it's just really good. I don't know what that is. My younger, speaking of 410, my younger TJ and I used to, you know, always get pizza from Whole Foods because you can buy it by the slice and you don't need to buy a whole pizza, right? And we would get sushi as well and anything else we wanted, usually some curry as well. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that memory came back for you. It is really good. And I know, know that you know where to get good pizza by the slice. Who So knew? good. Not you now I. know. And so do our viewers. Thank you for that pizza. Whoever makes that, it's really good. I, it's got to be the sauce too, and it's crunchy, it like a little wood fire type pizza. Yummy! It's really good. It was all of it. It was so freaking good. So speaking of nostalgic, um, no. we are going to do something a little bit different today, and we're going to see how it goes because I really don't know how this is going to go. But um, we are actually accepting a question for our episode from a friend of mine. So someone in my very, very close inner circle who has an issue that, you know, she had written to me about, um, and we're going to try it. And I'm going to just acknowledge ahead of time that I'm not so sure I'll get through this very easily. And right. so if we don't, I might stop the recording if I can't kind of continue talking because yeah. um, it's very personal to me as well. Um and I have obviously a great deal of kind of personal information about this circumstance because of my connection to her since third grade. So with that. And it's tender. It's like we're going to give a little bit of grace around this that we know that sometimes when when we read your questions and we're, we love them so much that there isn't that same sense of maybe like we want to be very professional and we yep. want to have incredible compassion and empathy, but maybe there isn't that same feeling of of tenderness, like your heart breaking open for someone. So we'll just right. take it as it comes and, and tell us what you need, Doug. That's very sweet of you, my dear and friend. I want to introduce the okay. topic really because, you know, it's interesting that someone else had asked me if we could do an episode on grudges. And by the way, I just love that topic. Like, I love the topic. I can't tell you. Like, we all have some sort of unresolved relationship issue or grudge with someone or something that, you know, we just – and whether that's now politics or, you know, things from the past or strain in friendships or other relationships or family members – we all have stuff going on with someone close to us in our life that hasn't gone well. I don't know anybody who hasn't. And we all kind of, and I was even talking with a, a friend of mine last night after dinner, you know, about something where she had a neighbor that was really, really close to her for a long time and they no longer talk. And as many times as she's tried to have a conversation with her to figure out like, what happened here? What happened to our long, long-term close friendship? I mean, I just think, you know, it's so interesting to see that some people cannot work through grudges, are not willing to talk about grudges. So we're going to talk about, like, in general, how to manage that. But this is, again, not necessarily a grudge as much as something that's unresolved. And maybe it is a grudge. Which, by the way, is, as many times as I've said that word grudge, it's kind of an interesting word, yeah. grudge. I don't know where Gr it came from. Grudge. Sludge. I know. And grudge. There is. It's I also, when I was trying to think about grudges, it is a very complicated – it's very complicated because – 
Yeah. Is it a grudge if the person really did wrong you? Is it a grudge if you... It's hard to forgive someone who never apologized. Is it a grudge when they have apologized, but you're not ready to move on? I mean, there are just like so many ways of talking about this. I'm going to go D, all of the above on those examples you gave. I think grudges yeah. can take so many forms, which when we get into this, and it may be, you know, we'll see where this one more personally goes. Um, and I just need to all viewers to know and listeners that I did get her permission to talk about this. We're not going to use her name. I will call her Kate, for lack of a better word. Kate writes, several years ago, I was diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer. I spent months in the hospital undergoing treatment and then many more months at home recuperating. I survived, but that outcome was far from assured when I first was diagnosed. About 75% of people who get this disease die, most within a few months. While my body has healed over the years, I have to admit I have some psychological wounds from that time that are still pretty raw. Most significantly, I have a beef with my family, parents and three siblings, none of whom came to visit me while I was sick. Not in the hospital, when I was on death's door, nor at my home while I was recovering. I live about 1,500 miles from my family of origin, but it's easily accessible by domestic air travel. I've always known the world is very rural. I've always known their world is very rural, small town, and parochial. And at the time, I could not be bothered by who was or was not coming to visit. I was fighting for my life. But now, with time to reflect, I can admit that I am fucking pissed at all of them. Mm -hmm. My husband, who comes from a family that is quite good at holding grudges, says I should just cut them out of my life since they showed me little regard in the time of need. Emotionally, I'm almost on board with that. After all, they showed me who they are, and they are never going to change. On the other hand, I don't know if I want to spend whatever time I have left on this earth nurturing such hostility. I need help moving on. Oh, my God. This is so horrible and tragic. And I don't know. I, is it okay if I ask some follow-up questions or do we need to treat this as though this is the nope. only information? No, so this she, is she, – we've already acknowledged this is a dear friend of mine since third grade. Uh, and while I don't want to talk exactly about what that is, um, you know – I mean, she gave I feel ragey. I feel ragey about this. Say more about that. Because I just that. feel like, well, okay. Also, I feel like maybe this is as a mother. I cannot Fair. imagine a scenario that there would be a single obstacle in my way, a 20-headed dragon, a murderer, a 500-hour-long flight that I may not survive. There would be no obstacle so great that I wouldn't drop everything and be there with my kids. Like, what is that? How can somebody sleep at night feeling like my child is at death's door or even my child got this really scary diagnosis, but, oh, I don't travel or I've never been on a plane or, I mean, I just feel like, what are the obstacles here? How did this not happen? So, Talia, it's an interesting thing, and I'm loving what you said. And by the way, my friend is that type of mother to her children. Um, I mean, she would never, maybe she, in a direct re reaction to how her family is, right? That you'd like show yeah, she, up for your kids in a way you've never She would had. never show up in a – it would take it would take anything to get in her way, and she would still get past it to be with her kids. 
um, both yeah. she and her spouse. They, they are incredible parents and they've been very supportive and created a very good life for their kids. Um, however, you know, it's interesting because we grew up in the same small town. Um, she mentions it's small town, rural and parochial. It's also very conservative. Um, there's a lot of German Catholic type of background with people. And what I noticed right away, my family moved up there when I was nine, uh, which is why in third grade, we were actually seated next to each other. And little did we know we would be lifelong friends. Um, but you know, the thing that I'm struck by is that community doesn't talk. That community doesn't talk openly and honestly about anything. It doesn't talk about diversity. Well, it is probably the most conservative County, uh, in terms of like voting, uh, in the entire state of Minnesota. And so we grew up in the space and we kind of laugh sometimes, like how the fuck did we get out um, and yeah, have these different points of view? I mean, it's easy for me to say that I'm gay. And so at some point I had to come to grips with that and understand that how I was raised and the messages that I was given, which by the way, Rick DeSantis and all of his supporters, all of us were shown straight models and influences and told to be straight and influenced by media in a straight way. And it didn't make any of us not be gay. So this fear that you have that like being around gay people or drag queens will somehow make us something other than we are. It doesn't work that way, Ron. So it might please make use you your head. dress better. <laughs> you probably could take some tips from some of us. However, warning, really get over yourself. Warning. What a very distorted point of view that somehow being around us is going to make people a certain way. So just fuck small, off. small minded. It's very fear. It's all fear based. But so you're it painting is. We the all picture of the county that you grew I up am. in. Okay, so so I understand that they're not talking, but like, right. aren't there feelings? Like you don't have to talk about your feelings to be completely destroyed by your daughter's diagnosis. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I, I don't know. I, th I don't know that. And I don't know that my friend knows like what it is that they're really feeling because she has been home since for family events and people just don't want to talk. I will say that the other thing that I believe about this scenario is that my friend is highly educated at a really, really high level, as well as highly employed in a very important role. And so given her background, I think she's kind of an untouchable. We've talked about this a lot. Mm. Like we go back to our hometowns and both of us taking the life that we have kind of don't fit in anymore. And we don't think we're better than anybody, but they somehow find us as yeah. difficult to understand or be around. And especially if I say I'm a therapist now, people just have a really yeah. hard time with that. And, you know, so both of us have that weird experience of going back to our small town um, and the last time I was back for, was for my mother's memorial. And, you know, it's just very odd because people don't know how to talk to us because we're either city folk or we're just different. Yeah. And there's a really big dichotomy, I, I think, in every state between rural and urban communities. And the truth is we're all the same. We are all human beings and wouldn't be great if we could all treat each other the same way. But it, it, I just I, I feel like I had a, this similar experience that I hadn't really thought about that, like, I'm this city girl. Right. And I married yep. a country boy in a, you know yep. southern Illinois, really small town of forty five hundred. And I remember his mom when I first met her and may she rest in peace. I like last thing I want to do is trash my M.I.L., you know, you know, sure. now that she yep. is no longer able to fight back. But um, the first thing that she ever said to me, this has nothing to do with what you're talking about, but it will it'll get there. But the first thing that she said to me was, because, you know, Rob 6'6", six, six, she was like six feet tall. She said she was like 5'10", wow. but I feel like she was, <laughs> she was in tall her real water. southern, 
real southern accent because she was from Alabama. She said, well, I would offer to hang up your coat, but I don't have any child-size hangers. That was the first thing she said to me. <laughs> but I remember that she used to come. So I was like broken family, right? And they were all about, like, Christian values and a tight-knit family. I was from a broken family, immigrant parents, um, Jewish. And she asked me, she was like, what gods do, do your people believe in? Right? She, there was a lot of fear. She also thought yeah. that I was going to single-handedly, um, whatever children we had together were going to go to hell because of of me. Yeah. And she she called me private pants because like i went to a private school and she was always like okay private pants because it was like the same vibe of like you're not my people you're probably judging me you think you're so great but like you're good at something i don't value so you can't judge me but it was it was this like untouchable like we're not the same people is sort of the vibe that i felt which is definitely part of this whole experience. And, you know, my friend also married someone who is not from Minnesota of a mm -hmm. different ethnicity. And I think that mm -hmm. creates an additional sort of fear or uncertainty or unknowingness that might be relevant here. But I want to go to a couple things. And, of course, I have talked with my friend about all of this. We have sat in my hot tub and processed what to do with all of this. And really the decision-making tree, and that's why it's interesting to have kind of your more objective point of view. Talia, you have not met this person yet, but you undoubtedly will. Um, and, you know, the reality is I, I have told her, I said, you know, I am not, I'm not very good at this. You know, for all of the people, including her spouse, as she indicated in this question, who has told her, like, it's time to cut that fucking cord. I am probably that person. I do not tolerate living in a life with people who are not supportive and who are not loving and who are not considerate of myself. And I think, you know, I have watched the devastating effects of this on her. And one of the biggest concerns I have about grudges, and I can more generalize this, is that holding on to anger, holding on to unresent, I think she called it hostility, um, holding on yeah. to that can be bad for your mood. It can be, it, le it can lead to anxiety. It can lead to depression. You can have physical health issues like heart, yeah, increased heart rate like and blood pressure. It's bad for your health. Ulcers. I mean, there are things that come from all of these kind of things that we don't take care of. And so I'm going to tell you, I always go down and I know that I've talked with my friend about this, but you know, for anybody who has a grudge similar to this, I always come down to communication again. You have to let people know how it is that their behaviors affect you and how it's affecting your life. Because this is a really tough one. And I am so grateful. I can tell you that my friend survived, you know, as I sat oh. there during her treatment, um, with friends and family that were there, her immediate family, her spouse and kids, you know, it's not hard to be there for people. And it is only a trip. I, mean, I even offered to like be in touch with her family and help them get there. I would travel with them if they needed to, if they were scared of the airline or if they didn't know how to get a, out of the airport, um, I would help them get right. there because I'm from there this area. There are solutions, so, right? There, there are, are solutions. solutions. I mean, Absolutely. One thing I think about is like, I do know why it's hard to forgive and why it's so easy to hold on to a grudge because yep. I think for a lot of people, and I've been there, sometimes it feels like if you hold on to that grudge what you're doing is holding on to self-respect like I will not allow somebody to treat me like this and then there's something about forgiveness that I think for a lot of people when they think about if I forgive you 
then I'm the doormat or I'm condoning your terrible behavior or I'm saying that I have no self-respect and I'm letting you treat me this certain way. But there are two options, right? I mean, there's also a difference between forgiving and forgiving and forgetting. So huge like, difference. If you, yep. Huge difference, right? And so like I might even say forgiveness. Well, there's forgiving someone when they've apologized, right? Which yep. maybe is the only possibility that there's reconciliation or resolution. If somebody's like, what I did was unacceptable. I feel so remorseful and disgusted with myself. This is what was going on for me. I will never do this again. I see the error of my ways. It's a lot easier to forgive and then slowly learn to trust again. But if you're wanting to forgive from a place of nobody is owning their shit, nobody is admitting yeah. anything, there's been no acknowledgement, no apology, then really what you're doing is you're forgiving because it's a part of your own healing journey, not because you're doing anyone any favors or condoning any behavior. What do you think about so, that? So, well, I have two com two comments on this because I'm really, really thinking much more personally about all of this because uh, yeah. my friend has, Kate, we'll call her, has addressed this somewhat uh, assertively with her family by saying things like, I am not coming back to Minnesota to die. If I die of this illness, eventually I will be where I live. And as a result of that, you know, if you're going to want to be a part of my life, you're going to need to make an effort at some point. So she's kind of yeah. given them the ultimatum that they need in order to say, this is how That's it right. looks for me. This is my life. This is where That's I right. need to have my treatment, which by the way, lives in a city which has the best treatment for her oh, available. It God. is absolutely amazing. She has an amazing healthcare team and amazing supports. She has really built, built a beautiful life of supports. And I just happen to be the one that has to keep traveling over there, which is okay to me. Um, I delight oh, in the, in the city as well. You are such an incredible, incredible friend, which is, it goes to say, it's, like, it goes both we ways choose for sure. our family yep. because I think what she's oh. also saying yep. is yep. I'm demoting you guys. Like you are no longer my family. You are my relatives, but I can't count on you. You, we, you were nowhere to be found when I needed you the most note to self. Well, and the reality is, you know, as many times as, and she wrote this in this, in this letter to us, like the reality is as many times as she asks them to like ask her about it or talk to her about it or be there for her, or if she's hospitalized again, please come. They just won't. And I think that's the hurt that happens. And I want to go to like the more peripheral kind of system. And then I want to talk about forgiving and forgetting. Um, you know, the thing that I'm struck by is, you know, this affects everyone in her family and her friends. Like, you know, so her friends have never met her friends from her area that she lives in now, which is not Minnesota, um, have never met her family. I don't believe um, her spouse is affected by this. And because they're not his oh. direct family, has a lot of anger toward them and frustration with them. She has two children who have relationships really, really peripherally now with their grandparents and cousins because they never they never come to their events, graduations, et That's cetera. Right. You know, I, my, my friend is doubting that they would even come to a, a big ritual like a wedding maybe because we just don't know. It's like because of who they are or because of some 
difficulty that this family of origin has. They just kind of can't be there in any way, shape or form in this system. So going back to like what you know, and forgiving and forgetting. So forgiveness for a lot of people, too, becomes a religious term, and it's not. You know, forgiveness, mm. in my opinion, is not religious-based at all. It is not about spirituality. It's about really letting somebody know, I am letting this go. I have right. uh, taken a look at all different angles, and in order to live my life as best as I can, in order to stay healthy, in order to keep recovering from That's what could great. be a chronic health issue— you know, any of these issues I need and, and I can't walk around with this big chip on my shoulder, right? No, and it's like toxic. I, it's it's toxic. toxic. It will make physically, you emotionally, sick. Emotionally, it will make you sick. Physically, it will make you emotionally unhealthy. And so letting go of it becomes important. However, and this is where forgetting comes in, and I'll tell you honestly, I am the worst at this. I do not forget betrayal. I do not right. forget people who have lied to me. I do not forget people who have treated me badly. I don't have them in my life anymore. I just cannot live my life that way. In order to do the work that we do, Talia, which is like you have to be present, you have to be healthy, you have to be undistracted, you have to practice what you fucking preach, right? Which I do. That's right. And so whenever I have some sort of strain in my life with somebody, I can't do it. I have to get rid of it somehow. I either have to address it and move past it, which I've recently done with a buddy of mine. Um, but I also feel like the other option is to say, I can't have you in my life. I need a boundary, which That's I've done right. with most of my family of origin. Because, you know, I just, I don't have, I can't be around them and have them constantly like saying negative things. It isn't even about me being gay. It's about being a city guy who has a professional life and some education and whatnot. It's just that a you've abandoned lifestyle. your roots and probably now think that I you're have gladly abandoned my roots. Right. Well, and I don't is, think I'm like better there's... than anyone. Right. Right. And it's like things that people probably assume from your hometown when they're around you that you're like, oh, you've left us in the dust and now you're doing so great. And it's almost like you have to break free of this really negative energy or small minded or fear based or, you know, whatever that is in order to really spread your wings and, and have some self-esteem and feel good about yourself, be surrounded by people people who actually celebrate you and show up for you. What a novel concept. And when, when people take up space in our heads rent-free, that they are stealing from you still. Like that crime that they That's committed right. that you're feeling so upset about, if it's in the past or even if it's like bleeding into the present and probably going to continue into the future – it is stealing from you every minute that goes by their negativity and the harm that they've caused or are causing. It's stealing from you. So that's why I mean, also, I do I forget about like, people talk about forgiveness, maybe in certain religious communities. But I also feel it's just what it's 100% like a part of healing and wellness. And a lot of these older generations, I think are very stuck in I am what I am. Take it or leave it. Can't teach old dog new tricks. I think that's true. I And I also think, I mean, I'm just going to call out a bit of hypocrisy here. You know, I think, and I, and it's not certainly across the board. I'm not suggesting this by any stretch of the imagination, but there are certain people who, you know, because they want to get drunk on Saturday night, go to church, on go to mass on Saturday night in our community. And I remember thinking, well, that's kind of odd, right? Or the judgmentalness or the the uh, not 
not treating other people as you'd like to be treated, you know, lacking the golden rule. There's such a bizarre sort of hypocrisy. And it tells me, going back to what you said, like you said, small mindedness. I mean, I do think, and I, I have deep empathy for this. Not everyone can travel. Not everybody can afford to travel. Not anyone can see, everyone can see different cultures and have their, their right. horizons widened. Um, and so I, ver- I feel very privileged for that. And, and it's really opened my eyes to a lot of things to explore other cultures, right? Um, my, my youngest is Vietnamese American. And so, you know, I've been able to travel to Asia a couple times in my life, a few times in my life. So, um, and I love the experience. I, I love, I love new experiences. Even going to visit my friend that we're talking about is somewhat of a different experience given how I talk and they talk. So, um, we make lots of jokes Cute. about that. So they all think I'm from Fargo, which is not in Minnesota, by the way. I so, thought everyone thought you were from Canada. Eh? I, I get a little Canada because I say about. <laughs> And I don't know what that a sounds boat. like to somebody else, but I say, a, I don't say a boat. I said a boat. Oh, yeah, you do now. I hear okay, it. Okay, next. So this is what I want to say. Like, and I, I will, by the way, I will always be there for you, assuming you are listening to this. I will always be there for you in any way you need me to be there for you. And I will come at any time you need me to help out with anything in your life. And I know that. She has been there, by the way. And this is the other pieces. When I've gone through hard times in my life. When I, the, the funny story about this particular friend is that I broke up with my 14 year relationship and I went into a deep, dark depression and it was related to some stuff with my mother as well. So I was like really grieving hard. And I called her and said, I need you to meet me in New York. Um, I need some time with you. And I was bawling on the phone. She was positive. I was telling her I was going to die. Like I had some death, death. Uh, I was on death's bed with some illness. Um, well, you course, were grieving. You know, Oh my God, it was hard. So when I told her what was going on, she's like, God damn it. I thought you were, <laughs> I thought you were dying. I thought you just got um, hit I, by a train and I was well, coming to tru- scrape you off the tracks. And the truth of the matter is I felt like I was at the time. It was bad. Yeah, you know, I wasn't eating. Yeah. I was really distressed, you know, making bad choices. So, um, you know, there were so many things going on, but my friend has been there for me 100% of the time and would be there for me if I needed her in a minute. And so for me, it goes the other way. This ride or die experience that I have with my friend is something that I will never, ever minimize or take for granted. (gasps) And so when she needs me, I will be there at any point in the game. So that's why I... It's a good reminder that chosen family is always an option for people when they feel like I will never have the love or the experience of maybe mothering or fathering or sistering, brothering, whatever that I really keep hoping that maybe I will have and I need to mourn that my family of origin is never going to be able to give that to me. But chosen family, that's when you need to put yourself out there and you're going to find your people that will adore you and be your ride or die and make you feel like you're worth loving as is in a way that maybe your family never could. And I would say a couple things about this. I know that my friend not only has her chosen family that is going to be there for her in all kinds of ways and has her own family that she's created that's there for her unconditionally. But I think when this happens, I mean, you talked about mourning, and I think it's important to understand that this is a loss. When we realize that the family that brought us into the world are not willing to be there for us throughout our lives, they're not really, as parents, able to be there for us in the lovely way that you talked about being a parent as well and what your instinct would be. And, of course, I would be there for my kids in a second if anything was going on. Absolutely. As would my friend. I can't picture an obstacle that 100%. There is none. 
There would never, ever be a, an obstacle to keep me away from my kids. So I think there's a part of this that it's really this grief process. Like you get anger and you get sadness and you get like, if I just would have done this differently, maybe it's different. But then you get yeah. to this level of acceptance and it's sad because that really means that you need to put a boundary in place in order That's to right. not continuously get hurt. And I'll tell you that, you know, my friend and her family have to come back for a family event uh, in the next few months here. Um, and there's some anxiety around it because, you know, you're engaging with people who have never acknowledged this really life-threatening circumstance and traumatic circumstance that you have gone through for a very, very long time. The How illness she has even, is very complicated, right? I can't even imagine. Like, so, I mean, this, which brings us to how do you engage with people that have really harmed you to your core and you're bringing your family and you're probably going to some event where you maybe need to, like, fake smile for I don't even know but like how do you have a relationship that is I don't know is it fake it's like I forgive you because that's a part of my own healing but I'm not gonna do small talk I'm not gonna like maybe I'll be cordial yeah I'm not gonna you know what's interesting about I'm not this? gonna be vulnerable it's funny Talia you said the word fake um my friend could not be fake yeah. if you paid her like she is just a solid um, inc again, incredibly strong, smart, like I always, uh, the big joke about she and I as well is that we used to play Trivial Pursuit. And when I was in college and I had not traveled at all, and I did not grow up with a lot of experience of like being educated in any number of ways. If, if the geography card came up in Trivial Pursuit, I swear she was on the floor laughing before I could even answer. And I would never answer the correct name. <laughs> Hey, I would be so bad and, at that game. Oh my God, it was the worst. I was just the worst. But <laughs> if geography came up, she would start laughing and then probably fall off her chair laughing on the floor because she knew I would say something stupid like, what's the country south of a, of the United States? And I might say... Um, Tasmania. <laughs> Djibouti. Africa. Djibouti. Australia. Like, I just was the dumbest, right? So um, anyway, we've had pancake fights. We've We've... We've put oh like God. thousand strands of lights on a tree in my apartment in college and smoked a turkey or baked a turkey. We had the, we have had the well, best so relationship all of our lives. Go ahead. You get, because I was going to say, like, I mean, I love that, like, she isn't even capable of being fake because I <laughs> am capable of being fake. But my um, the octave of my voice usually goes up like two <laughs> octaves and it sounds a little like this. So it's I've not like I'm voice. good at it. Right, right. But like, so how does she do it? How do you show up in these situations where you are not fake? I wish I had a video of her engaging with people that she does not like because she either I, she will not say something insincere, but she's so fucking smart that she finds. So a what way does she do? So she won't well, she say might. good to see you or I've she will not you. say she will not say good to see you. She'll either wait for their response and just look. She is a very powerful person. I love her so much. Um, yeah, and she incredible. she's the one that I can go to hockey games with and I can cause a big disturbance and she'll laugh. Because um, I'll fist bump the opposite team when we get a goal. she celebrates you. I mean, that is like, that's the question, right? It's like, you need to decide how you're going to show up in these situations because forgiving does not mean that you are letting go of your self-respect or condoning someone else's bad behavior. It just means that you are no longer going to choose to hurt and suffer at the hands of somebody else because of their 
limitations in their own wellness that they will continue to hurt you. Um, Doug, do you know what this yeah. reminds me of? Tell me. Uh, and first of all, let me just say, Kate, I literally cannot wait to meet you. You are so I've been hearing about you. I'm so honored <laughs> that you put your story out there for us to even rage with you. Now, Doug and I are going to see if we're going to hold a grudge or not. I haven't yet decided. I'm not quite ready to forgive those assholes. Do you mean her Anywho, family? Anywho, <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the here's the interesting piece, right? Like, because I grew up in this town with her, because I know these people, I don't, I know some of her family members differently than I know others. Um, it's very easy for me to be cordial um, because mm. I would not want to add more stress. Like, I would never have a beef with them on her behalf. I would be there as a mediator to make it easier for her and her family if the circumstance ever arose, as she would be for me, by the way. Um, right. And she knows me back and forth. She knows exactly what my family of origin dynamic was. Um, so I think there's a part of this, though, that I, I, in anticipation of this upcoming like family event, I'm there when whatever way she might need. At the end of the day, what we're kind of saying is that if you communicate what it is that's going on for you, if you communicate how it is that, you know, people's disregard or in this case of my friend, you know, how her family is is not really there for her during this really life-changing, life-threatening time and probably will not be there in that way. All you can do, my friend, is let your family know how it is that their behaviors have impacted you. I think your spouse should feel incredibly comfortable letting them know as well what his experience is. I think mm. your kids, who are brilliant young people, um, can also let them know kind of what it has been for them, although they're much more likely not to, given the fact that you two are the parenting uh, structure and, and probably have the more mm -hmm. visible and, and capable capacity to do that because they don't know this family of origin of yours as well as obviously you and your spouse do. But outside of letting them know, um, and really, at the end of the day, like, I want to say something about grudges in general. You know, I think when I've had something that's bugging the crap out of me or I just don't know what to do with it, I'm a big, I use my iPhone and I use that notes and I just keep writing about it and writing about it and writing about it. I've had a situation in my life recently. I have documented my thoughts every day for like three weeks um, just to kind of get past it and understand, like, what's my part of this? What do I bring to this strain with my friend? And this is not the friend in, that I'm referring to, but another buddy of mine recently, we got into a little bit of a stressful situation. You know, I journaled and journaled and journaled and journaled. And at the end of the day, I get to decide kind of what my boundaries need to be. So there is a part That's of this right. too. And, and for people who do not have the capacity, like sometimes uh, I've worked with people whose family member with whom they have the grudge dies, right? And there's no way to actually tell them in person. I still say, write a letter. You don't have yep. to send it. You don't have to have them hear it, but write a letter. Maybe go to the place. If they are at a burial site, go to the place and, and say it out loud to them. <clears throat> and even if the person is living, but you know that they cannot respond. And in this case, my friend, I don't know that your family will ever respond in the way you need. But writing a letter that you never end up sending or end up sending with some revisions, I think we've got to get it all out. We have to express those feelings. You know, and sometimes I talk to myself. I am fortunate to live by myself uh, as an empty nester. And so I get to like bent all over the house. And I will sometimes, even though I have a security system that's probably um, recording my, my comments, 
Um, I hope Xfinity <laughs> enjoys. I hope Xfinity enjoys my rants. I bet well you sing what I to wear yourself. around the house or don't. I bet I do you're sing all doing the time. a lot of show tunes. I, da- I dance I mean, a ton. This is. I've got a couple <laughs> thoughts just to also kind of like wrap up. You know, Kate's heartfelt message, but just yeah. even thinking about like if you are somebody who would like to figure out how to even begin the process of forgiveness when you are still just consumed with maybe like a bitterness, injustice, rage, which is very common. It It's almost like the first thing you have to do is accept that it means mourning. It's like you've got to accept that what happened really did happen and it might not ever be resolved. So there's a grieving that happens there. And then if you are somebody that can look at that and just be like, I think that it would be in my best interest to forgive for my own well-being, not because I think that this person deserves forgiveness or whatever that is, then it really does sometimes start with either, you know, compassion or empathy of just like, how do I look at this scenario in a way that it's just like even what this person did to me was unforgivable, right? I don't, I mean, I I don't understand how this even happened, but I'm going to assume that this was the best that this person could have done, even though it was abysmal and not enough for me. And then I get to decide what I want to do about that. But sometimes it isn't like forgiveness isn't like I think they're a good person after all. It's more like I'm accepting that hurt people hurt people or I'm accepting that this person has trauma or that there are reasons why they couldn't show up for me and I need to let go. You know, Talia, it's interesting how you said that. I I think there's a part of this. You said the word compassion. And one of the things that I oftentimes think about with grudges is like, what's your part? What is their part? Try to put your feet in their shoes and see what their experience is. That can be helpful in many ways, but it doesn't mean that you need to forget what happened and you don't need to forgive. You don't need to like forget or, or brush away how you feel. Because I That's think we right. oftentimes take over responsibility for either being more capable or healthier or more capable of talking. You know, one of the things you and I talk a lot about, Talia, is, you know, we talk all day long and we, we talk about communication and how to communicate. And we give scripts to our clients and help them figure out ways to talk to people that otherwise might be difficult. And it can sometimes be so simple from where we sit, but it's not easy to do. Right. Communicating directly is not easy. And then the recipient needs to be able to handle that information. And so there really is a part of this that I I don't know that her family will ever be able to do that. And so what do you do in the case of that? And it really is about boundaries because you're going to keep bumping up against the wall and your head against the wall if you keep thinking there's there might be change. I don't think she has any delusion that there's going to be some change on their part. Right. I think like she knows she's what their limitations are. She's accepting kind of. and ready to make a decision about how she wants to move forward with her life. This is what I think, though. I don't believe she has any delusions about, you know, them being able to all of a sudden, like, open up and say, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you. Of course I will be there for you, my dear daughter. Um, I think she's also seen as, and I've told her this, I think she's been seen as very independent. Um, she, she does not need a lot in this life. But, you know, it's almost like forgetting she's a person. And forgetting that she's a person who has feelings and needs and still wants her mom and dad and siblings to be there for her, like anybody else. That's the worst part of the mourning, right? Like accepting that this is what it is means that you're mourning the family that will never be there for you in the way that you wanted. 
I just want to say to her, I am your family. You are my family. And of course, we're going to be there for each other no matter what. I love you very much. Well, and I love you too. And I haven't even met you. But thank you for sharing your beautiful story. I mean, I just was really wanting to talk about beef. Beef. So bad. <laughs> you I told be- me to I remember- watch beef. And so I binged. I harassed you on the daily. But this is yep. like, I feel like it would be remiss to not bring up beef in our grudge episode. Like, I agree holy with that. crap. So what did holy you think beef. of it? And we're not going to, we're not going to give any spoilers. Although all I want to do is talk about the last two episodes, but well, we we're not going to give any spoilers. And I just want to acknowledge that I know there's been some controversy with that show because of one cast member who has been accused oh, yeah. of inappropriate sexual conduct. And I don't want to d- diminish that. that in any way, shape or form. My older daughter uh when i was telling her how wonderful i thought the show was because i love the two lead actors in a really huge huge oh my god obsessed neither one of them are the people by the way yes and like someone in a cast can be an absolutely horrible person but it doesn't take away how freaking good that show was and i feel like it was a psychologist's dream like the shadow selves and how much they hated each other like desperately they were going to like literally die trying to kill each other and ruin each other's lives and get out on top but what we will tell you without going into too much detail is that and by the way when i saw the word beef on the netflix screen i'm like is that about meat um, right, of and I course. did not watch it. It's so then I watch brilliant. it, and you immediately get into it, and it's like having a beef, right? But what I will say is that, like most things, unlike my friend's situation that we just discussed, the reality is this beef was not about what really happened. Like it's, it right. just they were they were both really really fucking stressed people coming into a scenario and just giving one person the finger resulted in this tumultuous series of events and domino effects that really at the end of the day we find out that it had nothing to do they were both really miserable they had other stressors they were at the end of their rope absolutely they were at the end of rope they were not living honest lives either one of them Mm -hmm. and so you know everything we talk about in this podcast about like live your honest life make sure that you are living every day to its fullest and be honest with yourself be honest with others live a clean life that way and you're going to be better off these people were not they had big secrets they were in in bad shape emotionally and so that led to them getting into this road rage i'm gonna call it yeah Um, where they were literally going to tear each other apart to the death which is why the ending which we're not going to talk about was like so beautiful in terms of just like feeling like there is one person on the planet that you don't have to hide from or you can just leak your ugly and you will still be loved and accepted blue my mind i loved it so much i would i feel like everyone needs to watch that and i will say that it's not the most effective way of managing a grudge because what it really does show <laughs> is that if if we don't do what we've talked about like if we don't talk about like our honest feelings if we don't try to address issues directly they come out and they seep out in these really maladaptive ways it's like anything else. I mean, whether people use chemicals to get rid of that um, or whether people get angry and rageful at people, um, we have to all do the best we can to take That's care right. of ourselves, to rid ourselves of hostility and anger and turmoil inside, deal with all that stuff and move forward in a way that addresses it, doesn't sweep it under the rug, 
but addresses it directly so that it doesn't come out in other ways. And in this case, That's right. beef is all about two people who were not addressing things directly or in a healthy and manner. And it almost killed them. It really. almost killed like, both I of mean, them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, I, I agree. Authentic. By, put, you got to speak your truth. By the way, my, my favorite series of all time is Six Feet Under. And the final <gasps> episode, the last so 10 minutes... The last 10 minutes of the final episode is some of my favorite in TV history. The last Same. second, the last second of beef made me get teary and cry. Same. The last Same. second. Right? Die. I know. I've got goosebumps. I've got goosebumps. I literally tried to rewind it so I could see it again. The last second. I know. I'm of like, did you see that? Did you see yeah. it? I know. It's yeah. just like, it was so beautiful. I remember Six Feet Under and I remember that finale. Like, no one has ever done a finale that good in the history of the universe. Thank you, Talia. And I have obsessed I about it forever. Yep. The song, Sia. Sia, Do you... breathe. Oh my God. Breathe it Me. It's like... called Breathe Me. Oh, and then I became obsessed I just, with Sia. So, me too. I saw I've, her in uh, concert, <laughs> and she has like one side of her hair was like white, one side was black. she like. Thank you for the face. invitation She's, to the Sia concert. Um, it was before I married you, Doug. Now I have a grudge and a beef with you. Oh my God! Is it like really good? Do beef? you see the anger on my Satay? face? <gasps> you look so mad. What are you going to do? Run me over? You guys, we digress, and this this is a wrap. <laughs> And yes, we are having as much fun as you think we're having. Can I also tell everybody, episodes. please, if you have a grudge please. that you want to talk about, I love these conversations. Like, oh. these are the things that get us so stuck and things that, you know, people have a hard time addressing. And that's why they come to us in therapy. We would love to hear from you. We will handle any issue that you bring up to us. So we welcome okay. any and Contact. all your responses. At we'renotfine.com. It's contact at we'renotfine.com. Literally any story, any question, any advice, anything that's really bugging you right now, tell us. Tell us about your roommate. Tell us about your own experience. Like, just give it to us. This is like, as you can tell, this is just our jam. We can't get enough. And we're so grateful Before that I you start listen. singing Sia and Breathe Me... And doing the background vocals and instrumentals with my voice, I will let all of you go and wish you a great week. We'll see you next week. Have a beautiful week. See you next time. Bye.